If you're looking for premium quality vitamins and natural supplements, New Roots Herbal has you covered. Proudly Canadian and family owned for over 35 years, their dedication to quality and testing truly sets them apart. Each ingredient is rigorously tested by their ISO accredited lab from raw materials to final products. So you get exactly what is promised on the label, pure and potent ingredients safe from heavy metals, pesticides, and toxic chemical solvents guaranteed. New Roots Herbal products are available exclusively at health food stores. To learn more or find a store near you, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. U.S. residents can now find New Roots Herbal products on Amazon.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and you are listening to Health Power. And yes, it is Thursday because now Health Power is going to have two episodes a week on Tuesday and Thursday. Now, starting soon on Thursdays, I'm going to be highlighting some fantastic articles from NaturallySavvy.com, but we're also going to mix in some guests. And today we have a great one. Jovanka Ciares, who's going to be talking about her incredible book, Reclaiming Wellness, Ancient Wisdom for Your Healthy, Happy, and Beautiful Life. It highlights the multicultural roots of a wide variety of popular wellness trends and shares them with the intention of making them accessible to all. It's such a wonderful book. And let me tell you a little bit about Jovanka. Uh, Jovanka, as I mentioned, Jovanka Ciares is the author of Reclaiming Wellness and several other titles a certified wellness expert, integrative herbalist, nutrition educator, and coach. She offers lectures and workshops in Spanish and English. Sierra studied nutrition with best-selling author T. Colin Campbell, PhD, in his Center for Nutrition Studies in partnership with Cornell University and Herbalism Plant Medicine with Ty Raona Lodog, MD. A native of Puerto Rico, she lives in Los Angeles. Jovanka Sierras joins us now. Jovanka, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here again. It's so great to have you on. So I do another show that I definitely want to have you on called Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag and it's on racism and bias and disparities and inequality. And I I think that's what drew me to your book so much because this is a passion of mine. I think what was so great about your book is you really just jump right in to the issues that we need to be talking about. And I love that you write, modern wellness has a diversity and inclusion problem. Yes, it does. Jovanka, if you can expand on that for us. Yeah, you know, if you are truly observing the spaces where wellness happens, uh, this multi-billion dollar industry caters and it seems to only be uh, enjoyed or mostly enjoyed by a very homogeneous um, demographic, mostly female, mostly white, mostly wealthy. Uh, When I started going into yoga classes and doing juices and going into wellness conferences, I was often the only person of color in those rooms. And while things are moving in the right direction, we still are very far from where we need to be. Part of the reason why I wrote this book is because I love the idea that these practices, a lot of these very popular wellness practices today come from communities of color, what we know today as multicultural communities. And yet these multicultural communities are not embracing them. And it's, it's, uh, it's part of, it's on us as the people that hold the spaces to open those spaces for others. 
Yeah, and I love the word reclaiming. And that's why reclaiming wellness. And throughout the book, when you're talking about the different things that are so good for our health and that really do come from indigenous cultures, talk about that word reclaiming and why it's so important. Yeah, you know, it's, it's this idea that we are, wherever we are or wherever we started, we have the ability to restore balance. That balance might be very different from you as it is from me because my circumstances and the way I started in this plane might have been very different, but it doesn't mean that I cannot go back to a state of balance where ideally health and wellness will thrive. And so we don't have to think that this is something unattainable, far away from us, kind of like, you know, something that is not part of us. Instead, if we just believe that we can literally reclaim this is ours it is our birthright and it is our duty and a way to honor our ancestry to reclaim those practices and with it our state of wellness what does wellness mean to you yeah you know wellness means different things to different people uh to me it's a state of being but it's also the daily actions that you take to restore that balance that we talked about a minute ago with the understanding that again, it will be different for you than it is for me. So what I do every day is going to help me go back to restoring whatever is out of balance and keep the balance wherever it is. Yeah, I want to jump into these seven wellness concepts, and we're going to talk a little bit about each one. Uh, The first one is plants that help heal us, uh, going within, yoga and other forms of movement, a plant-based diet, oil, water, and heat, music and community, grounding and nature. In the first one, plants that help us heal, you write that healing plants is your absolute favorite topic these days, and you talk about why you love herbalism so much. So share a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plants are my second love. Music was my first love. That's why I, I always say that plants are my, my second love. Uh, they are the ones that helped me heal years ago when I was struggling with conditions that Western medicine couldn't solve. I went to Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, Western herbalism. I started using these plants. And part of the reason why I love them so much is because they're very safe, right? Their safety data is robust. They are easy to use, relatively inexpensive, and they work. So you start feeling something relatively quickly, and then it's a lot easier once you are in less pain, less inflammation, less whatever it is that you were feeling, it's easier for you to move forward with other practices that might be, might take a little bit longer to implement. Would you mind sharing a little bit about the health issues that you were struggling with and how herbalism helped? Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. I also had fibroids, very large fibroids and endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So a lot of hormonal disruption. And I had ulcers that healed and kept reopening. So those conditions were considered chronic, non-life-threatening. And Western medicine was like, there's nothing we can do about it. We could take a pill, (laughs) but that's all I can offer you. And so I decided to go to my Ayurvedic practitioner. They learn about, I learn about my constitution. I learn about how diet affects my body. I started changing my diet. And then slowly started using things like slippery elms for my ulcers and changing, you know, instead of drinking coffee and caffeinated teas, I started doing blends like um, cumin, coriander and fennel seeds tea. And uh, those are still some of the staples that I use. Ginger, which is like the just 
<laughs> it's like my goddess uh, herb that I use every single day of my life. Oh, I love ginger. My husband makes this great tea with ginger, black pepper, cardamom, cinnamon, and a couple other things. And I told him he's going to live forever. One of the things that was so great about your book is that not only do you give us all this great information to help us live our healthiest lives, but you share these great stories. You talk about uh, mommy Eva, your abuela. Um, and I love that you talked about her cooking and she used to make this aso, asopaos. Asopao. <laughs> yes, uh, thick stew like soups. I love this. We're rumored to wake the dead, and and that she exposed you to things like oils and salves and compresses, and it was like her own little kitchen pharmacy. Tell us a little bit more about your mom. Yeah. So, Mami Eva was this amazing human that only had a fourth grade education, but she has such a thirst for knowledge. She was an avid reader. She had books everywhere. And uh, she kept saying, you know, books are the best teachers. They they don't scream at you. They don't get frustrated. You They repeat the lesson over and over until you get it. And uh, I still think about it and it makes me misty because it's so true. And this is a woman with a fourth grade education. She um, loved her kitchen and, um, loved, you know, ev- everything from beauty to health. You know, she would make these little concoctions to put on our head so that we can have shiny hair. Or she would just, you know, I had menstrual cramps. I remember the first menstrual cramps I ever struggled with. I was in her house. She went to the kitchen. She came back 15 minutes later and she's like, drink this. And you're like, okay. (laughs) And like 20 minutes later, I was just feeling like an internal hug and the cramps were easing. And I was like, I don't know what she did, but I need to do this again. I love that description, an eternal hug. Yeah. That is so beautiful. And I love too, in this chapter, you talk about the top legal herbs from around the world. You talk about the China and Far East, ashwagandha, cumin, there's that ginger. You talk about ones from India and Southeast Asia, Europe, North America. And it's so nice to to be able to go to your book and say, okay, you know what? I'm really curious. Where are these from? What do they do? You have this great chart that has botanicals, the actions, the benefits, and forms, and how to use them. And I just, I really commend you because you obviously put so much work. And this is just one chapter. <laughs> That's why you got got to get this book, Reclaiming Wellness. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, you know, it's. It, I also encourage people to go and talk to their elders. Just like yes. I have these memories of my grandmother. Chances are you have a great aunt that has a story of their great aunt and they would love to pass these stories on to us. And then if it's on the book or some other story that your family uh, is telling you, just just use them. You, just with a few dollars, you can go to the market, find them, make little concoctions in tea form or in tincture form. They don't have to be really complicated and start use just like your uh, husband does. Start using them and making them your own. In chapter two, going with then, you talk about growing up in, in a conservative Christian household and that your idea of meditation was something hippies and flower children did, which totally makes sense, right? It's all about your environment and, and what you're taught about these things. When did that change for you and, and that you realized, wait a second, I could be doing this too? Yeah. When I moved to New York City, I was a young adult uh, going to college and I needed more. I think in the book I mentioned that the concept of, of Christian prayer left me uh, uninspired, if you will. And, and I don't uh, poo-poo that for anybody else. I think it just, for me, it just didn't quite 
fit the mold. So I went um, and started looking at other alternatives. And the beauty of this is that I started to learn that they don't have to be in conflict with one another. They can be incredibly complementary. Not everybody can sit quietly and clear their minds. In fact, most of us can't. So what else can I do to help me find that connection with myself emotionally and with that spiritual part of me that I believe is connected with something bigger than me. Yeah. And in the chapter, you touch on meditation, visual, visualization, excuse me, and hypnosis. And you oh. share an experience that you used with hypnosis to get through some pain. Talk to us about that physical pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the lady that became my hypnotherapist uh, she was starting out at the time and she's like, you know, I want to help you out. I think this will help you. I was having surgery for the fibroids that had become necrotic and had to come out immediately. And I was really nervous. And um, she's like, I'm just going to do this session for you. I'm going to record it. And I want you to listen to it before the surgery and after the surgery. And I credit that particular recording in those sessions with the fact that I was out of pain within, out of pain meds. Within the first 36 hours, I was out of the hospital and home, and I managed my pain with what you find in your in your bathroom cabinet. And I believe it was a blessing. And and at the at the time, I thought this is miraculous, but I was like, it is not. It is actually just my own subconscious that I was able to train to believe and understand that I can heal without the need for pain medication. Yeah, I did a hypnobirthing class and. My husband, I love his voice, and so he did a tape of the dogs that I had. we had at the time. Um, this was a while ago, running through the woods, and I can visualize everything. Well, I ended up having to get a C-section, but as they were prepping me, I was able to listen. And it was still hard, <laughs> but it definitely did help, and it, it helped put me in that spot. I mean, I'd go to the woods all the time. But I could picture exactly where they were in the woods and what was going on. And it really helped. Also, both my father and my brother do hypnosis uh, with other people and practice hypnosis. And so I, I know a lot about that. I think it's great. It's also great that in each chapter, I should mention that you have practices for reclaiming whichever one of the seven wellness concepts we're talking about. So some of the practices for reclaiming meditation, vis visualization, it's hard word to say, and hypnosis, you've got guided mindfulness, meditation exercises, a moving meditation. Talk to us about moving meditation. You know, in my practice, I, I have a health and wellness practice and herbalism practice. You know, 90% of the people that come to me say, look, I know that I need a contemplative practice, but it's almost impossible for me to sit still. Or I live in a tiny place with seven other people or four other people. It, it's hard. And if you're somebody struggling with a lot of anxiety, depression, uh, excessive amounts of stress, you need to find alternatives to help you connect. And moving meditation is one of those that in my practice, I've noticed that it's very helpful. And it's just a matter of now that we're walking around with our phones all day long and we can put a little headset and queue up a little meditation that allows us to connect with nature, maybe commune with nature. It doesn't have to be nature necessarily in the woods, if you live in a city, it might mean just walking up and down the block, but you're just moving. You're just literally using your body to uh, move and reduce stress, reduce levels of cortisol, adrenaline, and other stress hormones as you listen to this meditation practice and hopefully slowly learn to connect in body, mind, and soul. 
Uh, the next wellness practice, yoga and other forms of movement. And you talk about, and that goes back to what you mentioned in the beginning about being the only person of color in your yoga class. And I love this, reclaiming yoga, decolonizing the mind. And you write about someone, Melissa Shaw, who taught yoga. And she wrote, quote, in a world where so many countries have been colonized and westernized, it can feel that way. It makes me wonder how far we, how far do we need to trace back to see what these practices really were without the influence of white people? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So expand on that. Yeah. For us. I mean, it's, it's something that we don't consider any longer. And the problem with that is that because we we only see these practices now through the lens of the Western mentality, a lot of people of color feel like I don't belong here. This is not my space. I don't I don't want to be here. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel welcomed. And so the idea of decolonizing the mind is all about saying, even if I cannot go far enough to know how these practices were, in, we engaged with these practices back before we were all colonized. How can I make them my own? How can I make them as imperfect, beautiful, and unique and special as I am? And either go to these places with this new mentality or bring the the practices to me, right? Find new spaces and tell the people that look and sound like me who have had these issues in the past, I'm going to welcome you into these spaces and, and make these spaces our own. Uh, I think it's critical that we do that because, like I said at the beginning, we deserve to embrace these practices. And instead of, uh, and we we can no longer afford to go into that mentality of like, mm, this doesn't belong to us. I'm not gonna go in there. Instead, I'm going to find a way to reclaim them. I love too in this chapter you talk about tapping uh, qigong, tai chi. Uh, Capoeira, did I say that Capoeira, right? Capoeira, yeah. Yes, tell us a little bit about that. Capoeira is one of the most amazing practices there is. You have to be really fit to do this. And this is one of the reasons why I mentioned Capoeira, but I also mentioned Tai Chi and others, sure. that are, depending on where you are in your fitness um, uh, journey. Capoeira is a practice that was developed by the uh, slaves of Brazil as a way to communicate to and to just kind of like emote and, and accept their realities. But then when they were actually working towards their own freedom, mm-hmm. it was a way to communicate tools and rules and, and ideas without the, the colonizers, right? Or the masters knowing. So it was outlawed for oh, wow. many years and, and done in privacy. And then eventually it was actually brought back to society. And it is one of the biggest exports in Brazilian culture is an amazingly athletic practice, really yummy, really wonderful, but you do need to be really fit. Yeah, I bet. Now in this chapter, we learn about uh, Papa Jaime, when you're talking about movement, talk to us about him. Oh, Papi Jaime was my grandfather, so Mami Eva's husband, and he was a, a musician with this gorgeous singing voice. Uh, tall and strong, you know, like you, this idea that you have of your, of your grandparents when you're really young, of these people that are greater than than life. And he had a, a disease that uh, was a form of MS. Uh, he unfortunately lost his ability to swallow, his, his ability to breathe oh on his own, gosh. his ability to move. So the last six months of his life, he was completely bedridden. And I was 18, 19 years old when that happened. It was shocking to me to see this 
gorgeous, strong, big man, you know, turning to, you know, this baby. And, uh, it was, it was a big wake up call. I needed to move. I need to not take for granted that my body is able, even if it is not fully able, you still are able to do certain things. And we need to retain those, um, that, that ability into our forties, fifties, sixties, seventies and beyond. Yeah, one of the things that we encourage here on uh, Health Power is joyful movement. You know, if you're not into going to the gym and, you know, doing a 45-minute run on the treadmill, that's fine. Just get up and move. Yeah. Your body is designed to move. Yeah, I want I want people to find what works for them. Yeah. And if we're if going on the for treadmill for 45 minutes works, that's great. But if it doesn't, find something you enjoy and move your body. And make it happen every single day. Yeah. For a few weeks until you build that new muscle memory, because it does take us time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. In the next chapter, we talk about plant-based diet. And I studied anthropology uh, as an undergrad. And I love, that's another reason I love your book. And you talk about our ancestors' history with plant eating. You talk about hunters and gatherers and finding balance. You know, I with the popularity of diets like, you know, the ketogenic diet and the paleo diet, you hear these experts, let's say, talk a lot about how this is the way our ancestors ate. And but when you actually look deeply, you realize these ancestors ate meat when they could find it or when they could actually get to it. They often um, feasted on those um, on that flesh until it was over because they didn't have a way to store it. And then they went back to eating plants and seeds and, and fruit. So the vast majority of these diets were highly anti-inflammatory, were very alkaline, were what you found in the ground and what you could actually harvest and consume in the moment. So while it is true, and, and now we've been eating animal flesh for 10,000 years consistently, so it's very hard to tell people no, you need to stop doing that because it's not that great for you. So instead, and I'm not a very big proselytizer, so instead I actually tell people, let's look at the science. Let's look at what works for you in your particular health health journey. And for most of us, it means eating more plants and fruits and vegetables than we consume today. So we can all agree that we can say, you know, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but I could have one more or two more. So let me find a way to do that. And so that chapter talks about a way for people to incorporate more plants into their diet, especially the ones that you're not really familiar with. Talk to us about some of those that uh, we're not as familiar with. It's always fun. I mean, I I pretty much eat the same thing. I make a salad every day (laughs) with like just a different mix of lettuces, some red cabbage, broccoli slaw that I get already prepared, which I think is a great way to go. It's got like shredded up broccoli and little carrots maybe some tomatoes. Um, when I get have it, I cilantro. I mean, I know people are like, blah, some people and other people are like, yum. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good salad, but yeah. I could definitely use some other ideas. You know, I tell people all the time, eat the rainbow, right? Like every time you go to the supermarket, when you look at your cart, are there seven colors from fruits and vegetables in that cart? And if there isn't, then go back and find other colors. I love, the book mentions actually um, uh, vegetarian or or plant-based foods from every corner of the world. One of the ones that I actually have uh, discovered when I was reading the book and have been obsessed with is jollof rice, 
which is a Northern African rice. And I say Northern African because every culture in Northern Africa will tell you that it belongs to them. <laughs> so I don't want to offend anybody. Sure. <laughs> and it's, it's cooked slightly differently in different parts of Africa, but oh my God, is it yummy. It's really grounding, really, really tasty, very rich in a lot of uh, flavors. And it, I have never made it. I've actually always gone to buy it somewhere else, but I do need to do it. It's really, really amazing. And, and spell that for us. Jollof is J-O-L-L-O-C-O-F. Uh, Jollof. Yeah, I've seen it at health food stores. And I don't know. I'm, I, and they have different flavors. And, yes. and, and it's all like all herb based with the rice. It looks really good. Okay, I'm yeah. going to have to definitely try that. Uh, you also have a great 21 day reclaiming wellness diet plan in the book. Like I said, this book is so jam packed full of great stuff. So tell us a little bit about this plan. Yeah. So if you are the kind, and this is something that I practice with my clients all the time, people come to me saying, I had heart disease and I'm like, or I'm struggling with cancer. And I, I try to put them on a close to us as a plant-based diet as possible. And it's hard, right? So how do I do this? Every day I try to do something else with the understanding that it takes us roughly 21 to 28 days to build a new habit. So starting with the easiest number, right? Like the lowest hanging fruit, I'm going to start with 21 days. And every day I'm going to give you a tiny little prompt. It could be, you know, today you're going to eat, you're going to go to the supermarket and find the seven or eight colors of the rainbow, depending on who you talk to. You find the, 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 the foods that, that you need to consume. The next day it might be, um, you know, eat a, a plant-based diet once a day. So maybe breakfast. The next day will be eat a plant-based diet, uh, twice a day, maybe lunch and breakfast and lunch. Etc. Etc. So the idea is that every day you learn something new and you build a new habit. It's not only about the foods that you consume, but about the practices, the lifestyle, the way in which you actually go about your life. You know, the next one is oil, water, and heat. Mm. And I, I thought this was so interesting. So you have the benefits of heat, water, and oil-based wellness practices. You also have some of the, I haven't heard of a lot of these. You have something called Korean. How do you pronounce that? Jim, Jim, Jibang? Jim, Jim, Bang. Yeah. Jim, Bang. Russian Banya, Laos sauna therapy, Indian Ayurvedic sauna, Turkish Hammonds, Egyptian baths, Roman baths, Finnish saunas. I've heard of saunas. I've heard of sweat, Aztec sweat lodges. Tell us a little bit about the Korean, uh, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. Jim, yeah. So oh. if you are in big cities like New York, LA, Atlanta, you'll probably find a Korean neighborhood and every Korean neighborhood will have a plethora of these Korean spas. Uh, they are very similar in, in different cultures of the world, but it is essentially a place where people can come and spend time, not only commuting, but also healing. So you will do dry heat or wet heat. That's the reason for the kind of like the wet saunas. And they also do baths. They could be hot, very, very cold or very, very hot. And, and once again, I like to reiterate that almost every culture has one that's similar because people get offended and they're like, this is something that is part of my culture. It's very, very true. Every culture in the world has right. used a combination of heat and water to affect the body in different ways and help us heal. Yeah, I think I saw a movie that had 
because now I'm, this sounds really familiar. I'm like, I think I saw there was a Korean uh, Jim Jim. I want to say this correctly, Jim Jilbong. That's exactly right. All right. Now I love oil. I love using mm. essential oils. I love making my own, you know, face products and face washes and everything and body scrubs with carrier oils. And for people like what what, do you, what what are carrier oils? Tell us about those. Yeah. So oils. Oh my God, I'm with you. I love them. Carrier oils are essentially the base oils. They're also known as base oils. And they're essentially oils that are produced in larger quantities. And they tend to be used to help us carry medicines into our bodies. As you may remember, about 20% of what goes inside your body goes through your skin, through the pores of your skin. So the oils will help you carry that medicine. There's a lot of essential oils and other plants that you cannot put inside your body or on your skin because they could have a detrimental reaction. So instead you use these base oils. And we're talking about olive oils, coconut oils, sesame oils, and others. Yeah, I made the mistake once of putting essential peppermint oil right on my temples because I was told that, you know, peppermint oil is good. Yeah, if I had put it in a carrier oil, perhaps. Oh, gosh, it was such a disaster. And I was like, I should have known better. Oregano oil is the biggest culprit. Oh, is it? Put straight in their mouth and it burns. Oh. You need to be very careful. Right. Yes. Now, I just fell in love with this chapter, music and community. You write about growing up in a very musical household and just just the whole idea of using music as therapy is so incredibly healing. Tell us about the music you grew up with and how that oh, affected you. God. You know, music, I think I said it at the beginning of the of the session here, as music was my first love. Yes. I was a musician for many years and uh, music is one of the very few things in a human's life that affects us. It touches almost every emotion in the human you know, rainbow of emotions. It allows us to get excited and enraged and, and sad and melancholic and happy and hopeful and all of the things. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we have been exposed to music since before we were born, right? When we were in utero, even the movement of our mother walking was rhythmic and musical to us. When when babies are born, the only sound that they can recognize is their mothers. And if their mothers sing to them, it's actually like a beautifully calming kind of like sound. So music is, is this amazing tool. In modern medicine, we know that we can use music to help us heal heal from trauma. We we know what music therapy is today. So part of the reason why he was, I I put it together with communities, because even if we enjoy music alone, we're never truly alone. You know, we're we're there with the musicians that play that music and recorded that particular piece. And we actually enjoy it more and we can actually get a lot more out of it when we are in community. And it's a great way for us to heal at a community level, which is so needed. You know, one of the things that I love too is that you gave us some popular instruments using sound healing. Now, I'm going to try to pronounce some of these. Singing bowls, okay. Djembe, gong, didgeridoo, dulcimer, kalimba, Native American flute, rain stick, and wind chimes. I remember my boyfriend from college got married and it was awkward at first when we broke up, but then we stayed friends, you know, later on. I remember I, he invited me and my new boyfriend to his wedding. And I thought, I don't know what to get this guy. 
but he was super into like natural stuff and he was kind of hippie-ish. So I got him this gorgeous rain stick mm. and I thought, I think he's going to dig it. And he did. So that's nice. <laughs> so whenever I think of a rain stick, I think about, I think about that situation. <laughs> They're fabulous. They are beautiful. I love that yeah. sound. It's so soothing. It's so wonderful. Yeah. If people have never heard one, just Google the sound or go out and get one. They're they're beautiful to look at. The wood is lovely and they sound fantastic. Absolutely. The other thing that I loved is you talked about Ubuntu mm. and I want you to explain what that is. And then I also thought it was so great that it was able to help you as a black Latina woman living in the U.S. when you talked about the racism that you encountered and that Ubuntu was able to help. So tell us about yeah. what Ubuntu is for people who don't know. So Ubuntu is an African philosophy that literally translates or, or roughly translates to I am because we are. And it was popularized after the end of the apartheid movement when Mandela came into power as a way to reconcile the many years of, um, you know, the, the, the struggles and the horrendous processes of the apartheid movement because Mandela understood we are still living in the same society we are not going to be able to rebuild, to heal, and to move forward without proper healing, without understanding that we we deserve to coexist. And so it, it just was utilized as part of the way they did business. And, and then it was spread all over the world in a really beautiful way. And I use it in my group classes as a way to help people understand how to, how to not only heal with their own bodies when their bodies are in conflict with their minds, but also how to heal at a community level. In this country, in the United States, and to some extent in Canada, we are struggling so much oh. with race rela relations. And I think Ubuntu could be a really, really powerful practice because it is the, the concepts and the, the premises involves things like kindness, compassion, and other traits that you're supposed to practice to with yourself, but other also with others. Just mentioned kindness, compassion. There's generosity, vulnerability, empathy, friendliness, hospitality. We need this more than ever. I mean, we, we really do. It, we really do. And I think we need to start. It, we cannot move past the issues that we have as a society if we don't recognize that whoever is in front of us is part of us. Uh, it, it, imagine if you, if we all did that, and you, it will be very hard for us to hurt each other, right? Because most yes. people don't want to hurt themselves. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, I recently got annihilated online. It's a long story, but just like people are so mean, just so so mean, and it's it, just. I think sad. it's also because we are used to being behind the screens that people cannot see us. I think they did a study where they showed that the same people that could be really aggressive and harsh online, will, when when they were exposed to the things that they wrote, they were like, oh God, who, who wrote that? That's not me. I would never say that to somebody in, to their face. Yeah. But then we feel emboldened to say that to somebody in writing. Yeah, it's very Gosh. sad. So this Ubuntu is so incredibly important. I love grounding in nature. That's the next concept. Uh, I, you know, the only reason I've made it 22 years here in New England is because I'm in a town that's a third conservation land. Mm. 
you know, growing up in California and now living somewhere where it's cold, like nine months out of the year, I'm just, <laughs> it makes me insane. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but about eight months out of the year. <laughs> and so it's the trees that keep me going. And you write in the book about how you spent a lot of time in nature as a child. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So I grew up in Puerto Rico and, um, you- I, I, did I take that for granted? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you, I was 15 minutes away from the rainforest. We were at the beach on a regular basis. You know, it's a tiny island. So an ocean breeze is literally 10 minutes away from wherever you are. And, uh, you know, eating from the, the neighbor's mango tree and home cooked meals. And it was such a beautiful, uncomplicated, wonderful life. And I'm like you. I lived in New York City and I was like nine months out of the year of this cold is just not natural to me, at least. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why my body fell apart is because I moved away from that concept of nature. You don't have to go back to a tropical island to embrace nature. If you live in a city like New York City, you can make a conscious decision to go to a park once a day and walk barefoot. Even if it's cold, it just takes five or 10 minutes, you know, like go to the beach, go to a body of water relatively regularly. Find, you know, if, if it's really, really cold or you just live in a concrete jungle, maybe, maybe practice some gardening, some urban gardening so that you can bring nature into you. There's many ways in which we can do that. And it's a perfect way for us to start learning about this amazing planet. That's the only home we have. Yes. <laughs> and yes. we need to help her heal. Yeah, and you talk about that too, climate change, and it's 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 bringing infectious diseases, heat stroke, respiratory diseases, stress related disorders, and the pollution. I mean, that's a whole nother show. You have to come back. Yeah, I mean, it's just it it, it can be so overwhelming. Yeah, I think the book expresses a few things that you can do that would also help you. You know, things like reducing your carbon footprint by embracing walking or or using public transportation whenever you can. Eating a plant-based diet or a mostly plant-based diet is certainly critical. This is something that is is a it's something that we know. We're aware of the fact that we need to eat less meat, not just for our health, but for our the planet's health. And we tend to look away, look everywhere else but there. But we're getting to a point where it's critical that we pay attention. And it could start by just saying, you know, I'm just going to reduce my meat consumption by just two meals a week. It's not really that hard. And today's alternatives are so ubiquitous. It's just all about us wanting to try a little bit harder. Yeah, I also really encourage people to buy secondhand clothes. Oh, yeah. The majority of what I wear is secondhand. And, there, you know, if you're more upscale, there's a ton of upscale consignment shops now. And if you're more like thrifty or vintage, there's tons of those as well. It takes, I forgot how much, but like a ton of water for like one pair of jeans, not to mention all the chemicals they use, which are horrendous. So yes, go secondhand shopping. It's fun. And you're helping the planet. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about some of these practices. You you mentioned uh, water. I, oh my gosh. So, and everyone who's listened knows this, but I have a lot of new listeners. So my lifelong dream was to get a pool because my happiest childhood memories were in our community pool. And last summer we finally got a pool. It's called Radiant Pool. It's really interesting because it's it's above ground and in ground at the same time. So there's like a deck around it, but part of it st- sticks up in the back, but who cares? The beauty of it is it's salt water. Oh. So when I submerge in the water, 
It is like the most heavenly feeling. Last summer, I think I, I mean, I spent so many hours literally not just swimming laps, but I would just like push <laughs> off with my feet and I'd put my, you know, hands straight out. And I would like picture myself like I was flying. My daughter and my husband watched Supergirl. So I literally would just be like, you know, <laughs> but it, I would do it like 50 times in a row. And it was like the best feeling. It is so nice. The other thing you talk about, and you mentioned gardening. Um, what is forest bathing for people who aren't familiar? Yeah, forest bathing is going into the forest and le letting the forest bathe you. Okay. <laughs> letting the energy of the forest. Uh, if you struggle with a lot of allergies, you'll know you'll have a little bit more of a clear idea of what that is because you can literally feel the the pollen and the other you know organic matter kind of coming in contact with your skin if you're the one that struggles with allergies obviously pay attention and <laughs> take care of yourself first but it's a wonderful thing and if you can and if you feel comfortable take your shoes off and then you'll get in touch with the mycelium that that kind of like inner layer of the forest that is literally connected with the rest of the forest so you'll literally connect with the rest of the world if you will if you want to learn a lot about mycelium, go to Netflix and watch uh, Louis Schwartzberg's movie, Fantastic Fungi. Oh. Have you seen it? Oh, absolutely. I have the book. <laughs> I got to interview him, which was so phenomenal. And what a movie. Oh, my gosh. But yes, I was like, oh, mycelium is amazing. So everyone should definitely do that. But not right now. We're still having a lot of fun and learning a lot. Okay. So in the last part of the book, you actually talk about the reclaiming wellness method and you say the basic method reduce and replace. So we want to put these things into action. So talk about right. this. Yeah. So remember it takes 21 to 28 days to build a new habit. And as humans, we don't like space. We don't like voids. It makes us uncomfortable. We fill it up with other stuff. It, it works with our minds, with our spirits, with our bodies, with our homes, with everything. So let's say that you're trying to, say, consume less plants, uh, less meat, but you're a very big meat eater. I'm not going to ask you to go cold turkey and go vegetarian overnight. Instead, I'm going to ask you to reduce and replace. What does that mean? It means today I'm just going to eat one quarter less meat and, I, and that void that that meat leaves, I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to replace it with something amazing, something amazing that you already love, it could be, you know, roasted potatoes or it could be, you know, a meat replacement stuff. I love my mushrooms because they are chewy in nature and they sort of taste a little bit meaty and they are really great for people to kind of like replace that with something really yummy. Then the next day you're going to do that same ex exercise again. I'm going to reduce a little bit and replace with something else. And you do that for 21 to 28 days. At the end of those 28 days, chances are you've reduced something that's actually really not that great for you significantly and replace it with a new, amazing, healthy habit. Jovanka, the book is incredible. Again, Reclaiming Wellness, Ancient Wisdom for Your Healthy, Happy, and Beautiful Life. Is there anything that you wanted to add today? And you are always welcome here on Health Power. I just love the work that you do. Thank you so much for having me. You know, the last thing I will tell people is just remember that when you pick this book or when you pick any practice, it doesn't have to be the book or it could be any other book like Fantastic Fungi or anything else that you feel like you know is going to help you take a step forward. You are honoring 
the, your ancestry, your lineage, the people that came before us that brought this amazing knowledge to us, but you're also honoring the amazing thing we call a body, which again is the only home we have to live in. And we want it to stay healthy and strong for many decades to come. Oh, I couldn't agree more. All right, Jovanka, tell us all the ways we can find you in your fantastic book. <laughs> well, Reclaiming Wellness, the book is found everywhere books are sold. And you can find me all over social media with my name and last name. So Jovanka CRS, you'll be able to find me on my website. It's Jovanka CRS. So if you Google my name, I'm the only brown Jovanka you will find. <laughs> and it's C-I-A-R-E-S. That's my last name. Jovanka. Oh, this has been great, Jovanka. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you so much. If you are enjoying the show, Health Power, please rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends and get Reclaiming Wellness. It's just phenomenal. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 